Hey there, this is Ashley Eckstein, voice of Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars The Clone Wars and founder of Her Universe, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Good morning, everybody, uh, or if you're in someplace else, good afternoon, good evening, good night. From the Extra Crunchy Number Cruncher Lab on sub-level 1C, deep in Area 51, hello and welcome to TalkCast 327, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Eating recycled Cheeto dust, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, uh, uh, as much of a full cast as we've had in a while, in the Acton TARDIS Renewal Plant, our technical anarchist, it's our own button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdriver and girl genius. This week, installing a new Steam game as we speak, it's Kriana. Yeah, cool. I'm busy. What's up? Mm-hmm. There's an From old the guy stack- he's dying or something. Okay, good. From the stacks of our personal space in the Dank Dungeons, Coast Guard card catalog, befriending robots and unfriending metahuman Facebook stalkers, welcome Zombrarian. So, fun story, I didn't have internet at all last week, and it was weirdly relaxing. I recommend it. Taking the week off just because she could. Returning from night training at the Pop Rock and Roll Hall of Frames nightclub and OTB, Midwestern correspondent, the guy who likes shiny stuff, It's Awake by Java. There are these little ghost jellies. And they hop. Okay. <laughs> now, when when you can't when you can Yeah, you can you should be able to skip it in the bottom left hand corner. Okay, so why don't you let the listeners know what it is the hell you're talking about? Oh, we are talking about Stardew Valley because it is currently in beta for the Mac operating system and it's just so much fun. It's just so much fun. It's cute. It was made by one guy. And it's just, it's adorable. It's a farming sim, uh, kind of like Harvest Moon or Animal Crossing. A little bit more like Harvest Moon than Animal Crossing, but yeah, definitely worth a look and uh, will soon be coming out for Mac. Already out on Windows, huge community, very popular in the indie game scene and coming to consoles as well soon. So you can get it on your PlayStation 4 or your Xbox One. And you, of course, will uh, link us up to that so that Absolutely. people yeah. actually see what it is you're talking about. So what's been going on this week, uh, aside from not playing Pokemon Go for the past couple of days? Oh, man. Uh, lots of stuff going on. Uh, I just was reviewing news articles just before we got on the air. And 
I have to say that the most exciting thing that I saw as I quickly scrolled through my ridiculous RSS feed is Black Mirror is coming back for a third season, and it's like it coming is. out in a couple months, a few months. It's coming out in October, actually, yes. Yeah, like, you know, it's the, it's the first time in a while when a series has, uh, you know, come back to air and didn't tease us with it for a year prior. <laughs> like, hey guys, you weren't obnoxious about it. Is that what? Yeah, you're saying now. Guess what? More Black Mirror in October. Get excited. Whereas you know you've got all this, I don't know, viral marketing bull that has been kind of taking over the industry. Yeah, awesome. I mean it was cute for a while. Now that everybody's doing it, it's just kind of nasty and ugly. Just and not. Dumb. Not worth the time, you know? You look at it, you're like, okay, so right now I don't have anything to look forward to. There's nothing to talk about. You know, it's just it's just a bunch of... If I have to wait until like a year from now to, to like get the advantage of... of this series that I don't, I don't want to hear about it now. I want to hear it in nine months, ten months. Enough. You so want to hear about it when you can actually. There's there's a light at the end of the tunnel for you to actually see it. Right. So, like the best experience that I've had recently was watching Stranger Things, which we finished a few days ago. Because we talked and a little bit about that last week. The reason that we I enjoyed it, one of the reasons I enjoyed it was because it was a great series. But another reason that I enjoyed it was because I could watch all of the episodes, boom, just like that. I didn't know about it before I heard about it. You know, like I, I my friend said, hey, I'm watching this. You should watch it too. And then I did. And I was like, that, that's right. That's what I want right there. Do you think... And I, I think this has a little bit to do with um, Gotham for me, is that I tried to watch it at a network level on a weekly one hour, and my God, I just couldn't deal with it. But, you know, when, when it cycled into a Netflix where I could, over the course of whatever, just kind of shotgun the entire series, the entire season, uh, season one was wonderful and season two was even better. And I'm wondering if it, our tastes are, are the way in which we're consuming is actually seriously changing. Maybe, maybe. I, I like that the whole series gets released at once. I think that that's a really good move. You know, it encourages binge watching, which is the way that most people like to watch their shows now. A lot so, more than used to, quite frankly. Well, at least as long as they're like a, a, a serial, right? Like... Um, one of the things that has kind of plagued some modern um, television shows is the is the overarching story, which has become too important, so that when you just sit down to watch an episode, you don't you don't get to enjoy the monster of the week or or the you know in in episode situation. In fact, um, the makers of Arrow sat down re with reporters recently and talked about how they are actually going back to. Um, episodic 
style for Arrow rather than focusing on the arch- overarching story. They're going to be going back to Monster of the Week, which is kind of Yay! Cool. Because it means that, you know, you can sit... It, it, it's comics have had this same problem over the years, right? It's this yeah, idea, definitely, yeah. Like, are we going to do an epic story that that is twenty issues long, or are we going to do episodics where, in this episode, Spider Man, you know, punches the Green Goblin in the face? Yeah. Next week he does it to Doc Octopus. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, and the so, thing is that in this age of Netflix, there's really room for both. There should be. There's yeah. room for TV yeah. shows that are basically, you know, 13-hour-long movies. And there's room for TV shows where it's 13 discrete episodes with a monster of the week and, you know, a little bit of overarching plots sparkled in. The best ones can do I said sparkled in, and I think that's going to be my new phrase because I like it better than sprinkled <laughs> in. I, I think sparkled in... Uh, it's something good that shines brightly. Yeah. But I there's like only it a little of it. I like it. But I mean, if you, you, if you look at, say, <laughs> Gotham, the difference between Gotham and Grimm, Grimm has become Monster of the Week. The overarching storyline got very on? dull very quickly. Yeah, Grimm is mm-hmm. still on. Yeah, absolutely. I had and no coming idea. back for another season. What I know, it's still if, getting it's still getting a lot of views. I mean, has it turned into Monroe does stuff and occasionally this Grim guy shows up? Or <laughs> no, it hasn't. Which is what it should be. That's why I stopped but. watching it because that wasn't the show. Here's Monroe talking about clocks for forty five minutes. I would totally watch that show. I would absolutely watch that show. Oh my gosh, they should have an episode where Monroe decides to go to like Antiques Roadshow or something. <laughs> yes, I remember the Monroe Vance. The Monroe I mean, Vance know, it, was my favorite. There, my favorite there are some really good things that make that show work. As a simple episodic TV show, without that that overarching Gergenflerger arc or whatever, just doesn't work well. Anytime. Yeah. Yes, I think you're right. So, so it's really interesting. It's interesting to see that 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 same kind of thing has come to television, uh, or at least. That it's it's come to to the kind of speculative fiction that I watch. Yeah, it's it's a nice it's a nice sea change. It's a nice shift, and I think it gives you a lot more as a consumer. You now have a lot more options than you ever did before. Well, and anybody I think that, catching? I think oh, that it allows people who make their make their shows to have more like. Of of uh, an ability to change the way that they the direction that they want to go. Like um, a person does isn't going to have to convince a um, an executive that they have to do uh, an long overarching story anymore. They can say this is a monster of the week. We want to do this every week. People are going to love it. I want. I'm I'm all for artists doing what they want to do and then responding to the community. Yeah, and I think the community does respond well 
when what the community doesn't respond well is to the after the fact bitching. I would have had a good show. I would have had a good movie, except I wasn't allowed to do this. Right. I'm getting really tired of hearing that from directors. The Fantastic Four would have been a really good movie if only they'd allowed me to do write a good script. Oh, is that what we were missing? Oh, if only I had had access to this and that and this and that. Well, you don't. Deal with it. You're the, that's part of your producer's job. Get a good producer. Refuse to work with people who don't do a good job. If you can't, as a, as a creative, um, decide, I'm not going to do this project because I don't like who I have to work with and I know that they're not going to respect my job, then you know maybe creative isn't your thing. Maybe you should work in a less creative field. <laughs> I can't imagine why you would say that other than the fact that it's true. Uh, but I know so it's like, it's like a teacher. How did she imagine me? God damn it. And number two, why can't I ax down this door? <laughs> you are limited <laughs> to some things. I'm sorry. Seriously, this Jody person is creeping me out. Well, if you don't like Jody... There are a number of different people that you can have romantic entanglements with. What? What do you mean? What? What? I'm just introducing myself to people. Yeah. And she's like, you're not how I imagined you. <laughs> yeah. These people really like milk. I'm going through all their fridges because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there's so, been a lot of uh, dumb stuff going on. Oh, I mean, really interesting stuff at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, tons of stuff. Did not release, the, uh, Niantic did not release Legendaries during the Pokemon Go uh, keynote. So um, a lot of people were mad, and I was like, really? You thought that they would do that? They're like, right now, still trying to figure out how to keep their servers from crashing every time they add a new country. Every 20 minutes. Like, I mean, come on. Guys. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Cut them a break, all right? So the, the big news for me, not that there was much, is there was a, a flash panel, which, gosh, what panel wasn't there for every genre TV show? And in that panel... Grant Gustin, who plays Flash, was asked, if you could have anybody direct an episode, who would you want? And he and said... Predictably... The, go like ahead. Excessively, excessively uh, predictable thing of Joss Whedon. He absolutely did say the incredibly predictable answer. I mean, A, who wouldn't want Joss to go back to episodic television for for their benefit but seriously <laughs> yeah. what's what's the chance that's going to happen i think that there's a pretty good chance i mean it, it depends on what he's doing and how busy he is and and um like whether or not it's going to fulfill a need in his life that he hasn't yet fulfilled like i think that jo joss whedon is the kind of guy who would say flash yeah, I like what they've been doing over there. Um, let's see what I can do. He probably would do that. Come to think of it, he would. And it would be, it would be kind of cool to be honest with you. 
which is, you know, why we can't have good things. Um, So, you know, when asked, Joss uh, chuckled and moved on. But, you know, there's a lot of good things going on in television right now, and there's a lot of good creative people putting some really interesting stuff together. Yeah, and, you know... Speaking of uh, interesting, wonderful things, the 2016 Eisner Awards were uh, announced in San Diego this week. And I had no idea that there were like 42 gazillion different uh, uh, different levels of Eisner Awards. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they've expanded immensely. And it used to be like three or four. Now I think there's like 19 best lettering. Best comics related periodical, best coloring, best cover artist. That makes sense. Uh, Amanda Connor uh, is nominated for Harley Quinn this time. And uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, also, uh, Tony Sandoval for best multimedia artist for a glance backwards, which is just amazing. Uh, was there anything else that really stood out for me aside from everything? Uh, my favorite is best adaptation from another medium for no apparent reason or best U.S. edition of international material. So uh, we're going to produce a link to the Eisner's uh, nominations for this year. They're kind of wonderful and, you know, people like that, the people behind the comic books that you read, good stuff. Uh, check it out. Any place else anybody wants to go. I'm back. What happened? No, just wondering where anybody else wanted to go. I wanted to go to the bathroom, so I did. Because we're just talking Ta-da, about done. <laughs> Okay, so that's where you ended up. Yeah. Did we talk about Harry Potter yet? We have not. Okay. Did you read the review? Because even though it says spoiler-free, I don't know if I trust it. It's not spoiler-free. It's absolutely <gasps> not spoiler-free. I saw one picture and I was like, so... This is a spoiler because now I know they have wands in this play and <laughs> something happens where they sit and talk and I can't know these things. So oh. I haven't, I've been trying to avoid it until I get my copy of the script, which is coming, and then I will read it. They literally called it spoil. The, the, the top of the article says spoiler free. Halfway through the article, they say spoiler light. So, yeah, if you're not going to be, if you're going to be upset by uh, light spoilers, don't read it. Because, uh, Good to yeah, know. You'll be upset. But generally yeah. positive, I'm hearing the reviews. Yeah, I mean, positive. a lot of people are giving it generally positive reviews. Um, be that as it may, I guess.
In other news, uh, Blade Runner 2 Electric Boogaloo, which I think is badly named, uh, has just mm -hmm. put in Walking Dead star Lenny James, who played uh, Morgan in The Walking Dead. And uh, if you remember him from The Walking Dead, yeah, moving from one dystopian to another dystopian uh, is perfect for him. It looks like it's going to be wonderful. Uh, the rest of the cast at this point is fairly well set. And Hampton Fancher is writing the script. So it looks like uh, a year from October, October 2017, uh, when, it's, when it's due to open. I suppose, I suppose... It's going to be good. I hope it's going to be good. It's the first Blade Runner I really loved. We're going to have a whole series of like dead spots, aren't we? Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I just, I feel like I'm like, yay, it's going to be good. And on the other hand, I'm like, do we really need? To remake well, Blade Runner. It's not a remake. Or number one, it's not sequel. a remake. Number two, even though it's a sequel, there was a lot of stuff from the original book that was never dealt with in the movie. Now, I don't think they're going to deal with it. You mean like 90% of the original book? About 60% of the original book. The a lot of overarching themes that just never made it. Oh no, that's not true at all. I think it is. That that story book and also seen the movie. That storyline that's in the movie is a storyline that's in the book. It's surrounded by a lot of other really interesting things that for whatever reason some of them were, some of them aren't necessarily. But I don't think that this new film is going Right. That's, that's kind of my bear, my standard here. If you didn't know that it was based on a book, you wouldn't realize it was based on that book. I'm not sure I understand. Like many, like many, many Philip K. Dick novels that are that are turned well, yeah, into movies. Well, yeah, because the way that they're written. Yeah. I mean, you know, the way that they're written do not necessarily. Uh, lend themselves to being taken as a whole and put in, uh, put it into a movie. I well, don't think they keep trying. Well, they do. I mean, Man in the High Castle is uh, is an example of that. But um, like the biggest problem with Blade Runner, it, well, with Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, is that no one is going to go see a movie at a major theater called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, and the story, the, the themes of that novel are also not going to be accessible to most people who go see movies. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. Like I said, about 60% of that isn't accessible to the visual medium and isn't accessible to the movie-going audience. So you pick and choose, but you lose an awful lot by doing that. True. I agree. And that, that's the unfortunate part, I think. Uh, and maybe, maybe now, 
they can do something about that, or they can pick and choose their themes that and their and their focus so that it is I don't know maybe a little bit deeper and 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 people are more likely to come out of the theater thinking, hmm, I hadn't thought about that. It would be nice to believe that more of the original intent of that book can be included into the sequel. I'm not holding out a lot of hope for it, but it would be nice to believe. I'm sluggish and exhausted. Why? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, we're, we're at about the halfway point of the show, at which point we're going to try and bring in our guest, Emmanuel McGowan. Uh, so, Kriana, if you could try and bring in our guest, that would be awesome. Hold on. I think we're going to have to do that. Please stand by. Please stand by. You've got the perfect voice for that. Thank you. That kind of automatonic voice. Hello? Emmanuel. Hi. Hi, it's Dawn from Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Mm. I'm assuming you made it home from work fairly easily. <laughs> I am. I came home from work. I did not get a ticket for it being on my phone while I was driving. So that's really, that's a really good thing. <laughs> awesome. That's always a wonderful thing that you don't get tickets on your way home. For those of us, uh, for those of you listening, Emmanuel McGowan is a new uh, artist who is, uh, uh, we, we ended up meeting at the Halfway to Granite Con event and found out that she was going to be at Boston for the second year now. That is correct. That is my second year. I'm very excited to be back. So, Emmanuel, let's talk a little bit about uh, how you got started as an artist. You went to art school originally. I did. Um, it's, it's a long love story. <laughs> uh, okay, that's great because you've got about half an hour. No, Wonderful. So I'm not going to do the short version. I'm going to do the medium version. Okay. It was a dark because and stormy night. There was a knock at the door from that point. Go ahead. That's, uh, that's right. And all of a sudden, the doctor showed up at my door and told me I could meet Vincent Van Gogh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> would have been cool. That would have been really cool. But no, not exactly. Um, I was already always fascinated with my mom's art books. She had a lot of museum books at home and I would copy whatever I liked from those books with uh, my little set of pastels at a, as a kid. So my mom put me in an art school early on and um, when after high school, when come, came time to decide what I wanted to do as a grown-up, I told everybody, I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to school to be an artist. And everybody looked at me like I was crazy and I had three heads. <laughs> but you know what that's exactly what I wanted to do and that's where I'm at now and it took some hard work and I'm very happy I did it 
So what got you interested in the comic kind of superhero? Uh, uh, how, how did that crossover happen? Instead of you doing like bowls of fruit and, and landscapes <laughs> and that kind of stuff. You never know. I mean, you know, could have gone either That's way. That's true. Everyone it, grows up wanting to paint still lifes. Uh, no. Some of them. <laughs> Uh, I was never into still lives and landscapes, to be honest with you. I thought they were kind of boring. I was more so into there was, there uh, was... drawing people. Um, people were my thing. I did not, I did not do the still lives. Uh, even when I was doing still lives, because, you know, assignments, teacher have to teach you the basics. I would always put a twist on them, either by color coloring them differently or um, just using different um, different ideas. And I would always go back to, you know, color blocking. Like I would see when I was growing up, I would read comic books and I would see color blocking and I would love that. And I would add that little twist to everything that I would be doing. So, yeah, the comic book art was always a big thing when I was growing up. It was a little treat for me because it, it would only happen um, when I was a good girl. I was allowed to buy comic books. <laughs> 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 when I did all my homework and when I did uh, everything right, all my chores, I was able to go to the store with my mom on Saturday afternoons and I was able to pick up one or two comics and just enjoy it for the next week and if I was good the next week I would do it all over again and that so kind let's of prompted talk a little bit uh, about your art it's sure when um, uh, when we met a couple of months back uh, there is a presence to the artwork that you do uh, a very definite personalized style uh where did you how did that come about with you and because it's very striking well thank you um i i don't have a definite answer on that it just kind of came as i was painting i i started um like i said i i liked painting people and i would do a lot of nudes for a long time you know the the whole French school of art, um, there was a lot of nudes involved in that. But I, I stayed away from faces for a long time because I really wanted to portray emotions and I didn't feel that I was skilled enough to do it. And then one day I just, I went for it. And that's when um, Harley came about, Harley Quinn. And I was able to put in a little spark something in her eyes in particular that that I had in me and I was able to put that in her and from then on that's all I want to do I want to put that little spark that I feel when I I paint a character that character is important to me and I want to put that that love of the character or that love of the story in my painting so how long ago did you start doing conventions Conventions, I started in 2014. Okay. So, so it's, it's been only a fair, been a couple of years, yeah. Fairly recent for you. And yeah. was Boston one of the biggest ones that you've ever done? 
Boston was the biggest one that I've ever done at the time. Yes, it was. And it still is. I, I have a couple of big ones this year. But at the time, that was uh, that was the bigger one. I had gone and attended and enjoyed it as as a as just a wide-eyed cosplayer nerdy girl that loved everything that she saw but i had never worked it before last year and it was such a blast i was going to say what was it like your first year behind the table it was it was a little bit uh intimidating at first because it's such a big space and there's so many people walking in the aisles um i was a little worried to talk to all these people. I was wondering if they were going to be even interested in talking to me, but it, the people in the conventions, they are, they are just amazing. And they let their, um, their fandom and their geekiness shine and they're very welcoming and they want to talk to the artists and they made me feel very welcome and um, appreciated. So it, it only took a couple of hours for me to get out of my shell and be like, you know what? This is great. I want to be here. I want to do more of this. So based on your experience with Boston last year, you've made a decision to do a lot more uh, larger conventions this year? That's correct. I, so I enjoyed it. It's, it's, okay. kind of, it's, it's kind of a bug. It's kind of a high when you're working a convention. It's you're on this amazing, yes, exactly, it's kind of a high. And when you come back home, it's, you're crashing seriously. And it's almost depressing because you miss all those beautiful people that want to be and talk to you. It's, um, it's a wonderful thing. So you did Massive Comic Con a couple of weeks ago in Worcester. You're doing Boston, right. you're doing Rhode Island. and yep. And... I am um, I am registering. I haven't heard back. I haven't heard back the confirmation yet. But for um, Super Mega Fest in the fall as well. So you're doing a lot of the major New England conventions this year. Yeah, I am. I'm trying to stay local right now because I'm not um, I'm not able to travel as much as I'd like to. I teach art on the side, so I can't really go far. I have to stay local for now, but I'm trying to hit all those major uh, conventions, and uh, I know they've been wonderful, and the organizer, the, the organizations, uh, the people that put them together has been um, very helpful and very, uh, very good at their job, so it makes it easier to <clears throat> get to know everybody. Boston is, sure, Boston is one of the greatest conventions where there's such a mix of a young artists and established artists and famous artists, They're literally one right after the other, row after row, uh, and that's true. I was I was just a few tables away from Amanda Connor last year. That was such a I was really um, <laughs> star shocked from by, by her. I really wanted to. Let her know how much I appreciate her heart, or her art, and uh, she was so sweet to me. It was really wonderful. That, and that's the other thing too is that, for the most part, uh, Boston Comic Con is probably the most welcoming convention from every standpoint, including artists who are 
in the same genre doing the same thing being so nice to each other it's ridiculous oh absolutely i've met so many wonderful people i've met some connections i've met some wonderful artists and uh, that i can still talk to and ask advice uh from them and this it's such a great community it was it was really uh, a turning point after after uh, boston comic-con last year i really I really, that's when I really decided that this was, this was really where I wanted to go with my art and what I wanted to do. So what's, what is it that you're working on for Boston for this year? That, so when people come by your table, they can look for it. Um, I have a couple of Star Wars thing on the, uh, in the works. I, uh, I, they're not finished yet, so I don't want to say too much. <laughs> Uh, and I have I have a big uh, X Men painting coming up. Um, a big, it's a female character. She's a villain, uh, and she's kind of blue. And that's all I leave it at. <laughs> I do a lot of villains. I've noticed that I do. I paint a lot of villains. I I didn't think I was that evil, but apparently I am. <laughs> I don't know that that makes you evil, actually. I mean, but, you know, it's just one of those things where anybody else can, uh, you know, you're going outside the norm for a lot of stuff. I don't know how much I can say about your style because it's not a video podcast. And there's sometimes when I talk with artists that I wish it was. Uh, because, again, when, when we met a couple of months back, I was just kind of stunned by the way your art looked uh, because it had such a different feel to it. Well, thank you. Um, just a, maybe a little description. I work mostly in oil paint, and I try to I try to stay as true to the character but putting a little spin, like my own little spin on it, whether it's... Um, putting my own emotions in the character or um, even the color, the color management is um, a little exaggerated. The, the shadows and the lighting is a little exaggerated. That's, I exaggerate everything in my life. I'm, I'm French yeah, people- and loud and I speak with my hands and I do the same thing in my paintings. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you're only going to have uh, oil-based uh, uh, work for sale at the show you also have prints don't you absolutely um the 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 oil paintings they are absolutely available anybody that wants to buy one they are for sale uh even though if i sold harley my husband would be very sad because he loves having her in the house (laughs) (laughs) um but they are absolutely for sale but for every i have something for everybody's budget i have everything from little mini canvases painted with um, acrylic paint that I transform into little magnets to prints of my own uh, paintings in different sizes. I, I also um, can order prints on canvas for people that are interested in having something oh, on canvas. I can definitely do that. I sold a version of my Rosen Doctor painting on canvas as a print for a customer and it 
it turned out beautiful. It worked within her budget. She was not able to afford the original, but she wanted something a little more substantial than just a print. And so I, I can I I worked with her, and it turned out to be a beautiful product. One of the things that that I want to leave with our listeners is, you know, you can you can see thirty or forty or fifty different Harley Quinns uh, at, at artist booths all around. True. However, I've got to tell you that when you take a look at what Emmanuel brings to the table, it's amazing and it's different and it's original and it works. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. And we'll be looking forward to seeing you in, gosh, it's like three weeks away, isn't it? It is three weeks away. <laughs> Brianna, that's a little that that music came in out of nowhere (laughs) anyhow Emmanuel thank you for joining us tonight really appreciate and we look forward to seeing you at Boston Comic Con in three weeks thank you for having me I appreciate it very much Brianna what's happening in the next couple of weeks your guess is as good as mine. Well, next week it'll be George O'Connor. And I thought you would know that at least. Nope. Okay, well, good. Your surprise is as good as mine. You had one job. Actually, you had two. And the week after that, it'll be Corey Levine, creator of the webcomic Bowery Boys. Also a very, very interesting little webcomic. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granite Con, Northeast Comic-Con, BooksandBooze.com. In New Hampshire, visit Merrimack Comics and ComicArthouse.com. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Our intro music production was provided by Rob Watts. Find more of his creations at RobWattsOnline.com. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out their groups at lawrencemademecry.com. I want to thank our guest tonight, Emmanuel McGowan. you got to check her work out. It's wonderful. Many th- thanks to the gang from the Act in Action, Time Mark, the Sweetheart of the Soundboard, Brianna, and Woman of Words, Zombrarian. They're all playing a video game. That's what she said. Back from the shadows, which means six more weeks of con season. Thank you, Java. Like I said, they're all playing video games. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. <laughs>